Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 8. I'm Ainsley Arment, here with Tina Ingold, and today we're talking about a whole bunch of things. We talk about the subject of math, what's currently working for our families, what we love about it, what we hate about it, and what's engaging our kids. We're also talking about our plans for summer, to homeschool year-round or not to homeschool year-round. We talk about our preferences and some of our summer plans. You'll also hear a conversation with Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer Naraki all about mother culture. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. seasons I really do in some way Mm -hmm. but I am such a summer girl (laughs) that I just me too I just crave sunshine I mean spring is awesome but I really do like count down until we can start going to the beach and going to the pool and just I don't know not having to worry about having sweatshirts with us (laughs) yes yes that's exactly the same as me I'm summer girl to the core in fact sometimes I tell my husband that I'm actually kind of angry today because I'm so cold (laughs) you know like the cold just makes me grumpy So yeah, I crave that sunshine and I'm so looking forward to all the summer things and not doing school. We don't do school in the summertime. We've decided that last summer I had considered going through Mm -hmm. the whole year, but for some reason it just made more sense in my mind to take the whole summer off. We'll do read alouds every day and I do require my older two, you know, to read at least a chapter of the book that they're reading every day. They're both really into Roll Doll right now. So other than that, we just don't really do school. What about you guys? in the summer. Yeah, I've done it a few different ways in years past. I always wanted them to have a summer. When we first started, I thought, you know, we're just going to take summer break because what Mm -hmm. kid doesn't look forward to summer break? (laughs) Two and a half months of not having to worry about anything, sleeping in till whenever you want, being able to play. And then I realized that's pretty much every day of our lives. (laughs) Right, it is. (laughs) I don't really require them to wake up at a certain time, but they usually are the earlier risers. But I just started thinking it's so different because, you know, I was in school so I hated getting up for school it was the worst I could have stayed up reading under my covers with a flashlight every night Mm -hmm. and then my mom would literally have to drag me out of bed yes yes she used to have friends (laughs) tell her Ainsley needs to be responsible for getting herself out of bed it's her job and she needs to pay the consequence if she's late to school or whatever isn't that funny I know it's funny how everyone parents a little different but my mom she felt for me she didn't want to wake me up she wanted me to be able to sleep in and never thought it was fair that kids had to get up at 6 a.m. to be at school by 7.15 or whatever. Oh, I know. It's so early. Yeah. It's way too early. And I am not a morning person. I never have I'm been. I'm not either. In fact, in high school, I was tardy every single day. And so my superintendent finally pulled me aside and he said, if you will serve a detention every day for two weeks, then I won't care if you're tardy anymore. What? <laughs> that was the deal we made. So I served a detention every day after school for two weeks. So and then funny. I was just still tardy. And I lived across the street mm-hmm. from the school. That's the most embarrassing part, yeah, of the whole thing. That's I just, really funny. I couldn't do it. I know. I don't know what we're going to do this 
year, I told the kids originally that we were going to do our, I'd have different levels of reading love amongst the Mm -hmm. kids, but for the most part, Mm -hmm. they would read every day on their own at some point, Mm -hmm. some form of book. But this summer, I would probably just let my older son, I would give him some book recommendations and I will let him read whatever he wants because he reads pretty much all day. We're at the point with him where we're like, honey, put the book away. Put the book away and let's go outside for a bike ride or, you know, or just engage in some kind of conversation. Close the book because we're out to dinner. Like we're we're out to dinner as a family. So, but I did tell them that we were going to do math this summer Mm. because we don't do a math curriculum every year. Some years I let them just do like exploratory type math. We've gone through the Life of Fred series. Life of Fred is a math book series, but it's written in story form. So it's about this little guy named Fred and he is only like six years old, but he's a college professor. But it's super cute and my kids love it. They think it's so fun. They think it's really engaging, but they like to read it just for the stories. And there's little illustrations in there. But at the end of every chapter, there's three or four questions that have them apply principles that they learned in the story. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of subtly implements it does, yeah. math concepts through it. That's and it neat. starts yeah. all through elementary. There's an intermediate. Then it goes into pre-algebra, algebra. You know, it goes into higher levels of math. And I've actually read on some of the forums for Charlotte Mason homeschooling, like moms that use this solely as their math curriculum. Oh, wow. I love so that. So it's really mm-hmm. neat. It's hard to find the books used. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's just because they're that good that moms aren't letting them go or if it's just <laughs> right, new. right. It's just newer so that they're not as prevalent in used books. But I can't find them. Even on eBay, you find them for like $5 cheaper, but then you have to wait on the bid. So yes, um, it's just better if you're interested in them to buy them new. And we bought them in different sections. We bought the intermediate at one point when we could and then the next section. So I've let mm. them do that. But what's worked for us with math is changing things up, I should yes. say. Yes. That probably reflects more on me because I don't consider myself a math confident whiz. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Um, Mm -hmm. So I haven't Mm -hmm. probably been the most enthusiastic teacher with them as I could be. But I'm really trying to change that and I'm trying to Mm. make math feel fun and I want it to be enjoyable. Mm. Last year we had them read through Life of Fred and we continued that this year a little bit. I did require them to do the questions in the back. They would have to come, and if they had any questions, we would work them out together. Sometimes with my younger son, we would read the chapter together, Mm -hmm. taking turns. Mm -hmm. And then we just talk about the problems, and I wouldn't even have him write them out if he didn't have to. We could just talk about them. Just talk about Mm -hmm. them, yeah. Oh, I really love that. I feel like my oldest would love that, too. Yeah. I do not enjoy math, either. In fact, if you saw them on my Instagram stories, I did some different ways that we implement math. I loved Um, that. That was really fun. Oh, thanks. I wish there was a way to save stories, so we could, like, have an archive for some of those because sometimes they're really great for resources you know yes they are yeah that four-way countdown that I shared actually several moms messaged me after and asked where I got it and more information on it but it's called four-way countdown it's just a game where you roll the dice and you know you can choose to add the numbers together subtract them divide them multiply them and it's been so great for all my kids you know my three-year-old plays and he just adds the numbers every time because he can't really do anything else and then you know my older kids will multiply and divide so it's such a great game for all the kids and sometimes Sometimes that's all we do for math is we just play that game because <laughs> I'm like this is really teaching most of the things that they need to know at this point in their lives so that's um, really fun yeah. we need to put a little description of what that game is step by step I mean I know it's super simple yeah. but just yeah yeah no for sure I, I love doing things like that or using manipulatives mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. my kids just don't do very well just with workbooks just to open up the workbook and say okay finish this you know and yeah I'm trying to be creative and find other ways but we won't do that in the summer I just really don't want 
want to have to try to be creative with school. I just want to use those two and a half months to just play and have fun. In just a few minutes, we're going to hear all about mother culture with Jennifer Naraki and Jennifer Pepito. In case you haven't heard, our new Nature Bundle is out right now. If you're feeling a little sluggish or uninspired at the end of the school year, this bundle includes a wildflower nature study by Natalie Bearden. It's the perfect way to celebrate spring and get your kids excited about learning in these last few weeks of school. You can check it out at bewildandfree.org bundles. Well, I think one of the most powerful ways actually to connect with kids is through food, you know, because our lives are so crazy. We'd usually just go through the Chick-fil-A drive through or, you know, even if we just eat at home, we usually power through the meals because we have somewhere to be or we don't really consider, you know, where our food comes from. We don't talk about it very often unless you grow up on a farm, which obviously we're in the city. I grew up in a small town in Iowa, so my grandpa had a farm. So I was around it so much. In fact, I took pigs to the county fair every year since I was in third grade all the way to my senior year oh you're like fern yeah you're like fern from charlotte's web (laughs) yeah exactly oh i loved pigs so much my grandpa though said if you're gonna take pigs to the fair if you're gonna be involved you have to learn how to castrate pigs oh my goodness i'm in third grade and i'm like (laughs) um First of all, I don't know what that word means, but yeah. second of all, it doesn't I don't sound good too. <laughs> no, but I learned pretty quickly what it meant. You know, so I had to do all the things that it took to raise pigs and I love taking them to wow. the fair. So I was around it. But you know, now that I'm a city girl and my kids are city kids, I want them to be around that more. So I've had to be a little bit intentional about finding different things. There's this local farm here that we love to go to and they uh, like five o'clock every day, they milk the cows. And so you get to go watch them do that. And they have chickens and, you know, organic crops. I mean, it's amazing. And then another thing that I found a few years ago, and actually now my friend is the sole farmer there, but it's called a sky farm. I don't know if they have them anywhere else. I don't know. But it's, okay, it's a 5,000 square foot garden. It's on the roof of a hospital. What? And yes, and she grows all kinds of food. I mean, pretty much any fruit and vegetable you can think of. And actually they have bees there too. It's the coolest thing. In fact, when people come visit Indianapolis, I try to take them there because it's it's just the coolest place. That's so but neat. Yeah, and actually all the food grown is used to feed the employees and the patients of the hospital. So it's like sustainable. Unbelievable. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun to help the kids see where food mm-hmm. comes from. And I just feel like it gives them a greater appreciation for it. And, you know, we go to farmer's markets and all that in the summertime. So I think that's one thing I'm really looking forward to in the summer. Oh, yeah. I think we are pretty much the same. I mean, we just love the farmer's market, especially Anne. She loves to go because they'll bring the baby goats and they sell, you know, the goat cheese. And it's the most amazing, you know, because it's literally fresh. You know, they like made it that morning or that week. Exactly. Yeah. And just to buy your fruits and vegetables and then be able to eat them that week Mm -hmm. and then go back the next weekend and get your next supply. You know, I think ah, there's something so cool about that. It really is. I know we try to do that. I mean, we try to buy just locally and what's in season anyway. But when it's summer, you just feel like it's so much easier because it's right there and it's hard because even in the winter you know the kids start craving strawberries and (laughs) everything that we can't grow here so I'm like okay well we'll just you know wait for them to go on sale when they're not like seven dollars for a tiny little thing of organic strawberries (laughs) that they're probably going to drop on the floor as soon as they get home like I know
this past semester we started using teaching textbooks for math mm, and okay. it's video based and there's like a little instructor and they make it kind of fun and it shows you how to do the problem and then if you don't know how to do it or you get the answer wrong it'll show you how to how they worked it out so it kind of just took it off of me where we weren't having any math struggles so it's been like wow. several months where we have no math struggles at all like there's no wow. how come you're not seeing that buddy you know <laughs> or mm, I just don't yes. get it or it doesn't make sense or it's hard and I'm like it's not hard you're actually reviewing something from like second grade you know and then it feels like judgmental right. because I'm <laughs> like losing my patience <laughs> Because I'm not a good math teacher, clearly. <laughs> yeah, same here. So I just yeah. decided. What's that called again? It's called teaching textbooks. I didn't want to order it because I'm not big into DVDs. Okay, I just wanted yeah. it to be able to be online. But, you know, it's not a big deal. Each kid is responsible for their own DVD set. They actually do two lessons a day. And then okay. they swap out doing math. And if they have any trouble that wasn't able to be worked out with a little helper online, then yeah. they come to me. They do it in 30 minutes and mm -hmm. I just think, you know, mm -hmm. we might just keep going. You know, we do take days off frequently to yes. go on a field mm -hmm. trip or to hit the road and just get out of town for a couple of days. Sure. So mm -hmm. I feel like if they would do that first thing in the morning and just get it out of the way, we might keep going through summer, but I'll touch base with you later and let you know how that's going. Yeah, yeah, please <laughs> Because <do. laughs> I'm totally the type that would just be like, all right, forget it. It's just so nice out. We can't even... No, stay inside yeah, that's so true even you talking about the math that you use it kind of makes me excited to find something different because I do feel like our math really isn't working we're using you know all workbooks and I feel like my kids get frustrated with it and it's kind of boring to be honest mm -hmm. so we've tried to use different manipulatives and things but sometimes I also am like maybe I should just be content in the rhythm that we have because I think sometimes it's easy to fall into the temptation of wanting like the same plan or curriculum or mm -hmm. homeschool schooling trends especially what we see on Instagram but sometimes I think if I'm constantly changing plans I don't want to like kill my children's spirit you know right so, because there's actually a lot of great things that work for people and so you see it yes. and you think maybe I should be doing that but the truth is you know everybody's going to find something that works for them and sometimes yes. it is just a matter of finishing out the year and yeah. you know reassessing taking time and not making a rash decision exactly. even last year we were letting the kids read through Life of Fred books and there was a time mm -hmm. where I questioned oh gosh are they gonna be up to par with their age group right you know right. I can't believe I'm just letting my kids read stories for math and play games mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but I thought mm -hmm. you know what this is our thing this is what we're doing this year and I'm gonna let them after doing a year of math that they didn't enjoy I'm gonna yeah. let them enjoy it again you know they're reading yeah. about it getting familiar with the terms reviewing things they already knew yeah and just having fun with it every time they read Life of Fred they would come and tell me the story every single mm -hmm. time mom this is so funny I mean this is like my 12 year old you know it's not wow, like a five-year-old yeah. he would get a yeah. kick out of this so Fred did this today you know and it was so <laughs> I love it that that character like almost becomes a friend to them I that's really I know neat. and I yeah. would hear them sharing stories and it made my younger son want to read the books and Aww. so it was kind of fun and you know they didn't you know apply themselves super well to the actual application of a lot of those principles but they're so mm -hmm, familiar mm -hmm. with them after an entire year 
year, I thought, you know what, that did not do harm. You know, I kept thinking I should add in a real curriculum here for math because we don't use much Mm. of any curriculum. But math is something I feel like I'm not naturally incorporating a lot of. I just thought I'm just going to let them finish out this year and we'll reassess next year and figure something out. I didn't know what I would jump into anyway. And I wanted to make sure that it was the right decision. I felt really good about starting them on teaching textbooks through so many people's recommendations. Mm. And Mm -hmm. well, and that's part of it, too, is just having confidence once you do finally choose the direction you want to go in and it doesn't matter what that looks like you know whether you're unschooling or you use a specific curriculum I think just having confidence in that or just trusting what you're doing or trusting that curriculum and having confidence you know with your kids too as they're working on it I think that makes such a huge difference Mm -hmm. you know because if you're constantly like wavering or wondering if they're up to par or wondering if you should be using different curriculum you know if you're like that then like I said that kind of kills their spirit a little bit and kind of makes them uneasy and uncertain of themselves Mm -hmm. you know so yeah and I just kind of you kind of have to gauge where your child's at too like I knew they were ready to take math into their own hands using the teaching Mm -hmm. textbooks was really putting me out of the picture and for a while I didn't want that I wanted to be in the picture with all of their subjects yes so you know but we can still do math games we can still do Mm -hmm. fun things we still do the other day I put out a whole bunch of scales on the table and just different items different ways Mm -hmm. for them to weigh and then different items for them to weigh and just let them play with it I didn't do anything with it I wasn't like okay now add the flower and the three Mm -hmm. little balls you know I didn't have any kind of testing or questioning I just let them play around with it and they just had a lot of fun with it you know and all Mm. day long my seven-year-old kept coming back to me okay now I'm gonna weigh and see how much this is and oh my gosh mom I just ate 200 grams of mango Because I would slice up the mango and he was like, okay, I'm going to weigh this. This is so much mango. And then he ate it and he would like (laughs) weigh it as he was eating it. Oh my goodness, mom, I just ate 10 grams of mango. And he had no idea that that he was doing math. Exactly. I think that's the beauty of homeschooling is you get to do that. You get to trick your kids into doing school. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what's so fun. You know, like we do tea time every day. That's kind of something we implemented early on in school. And every time we do that, we always do a read aloud or we go through this Indian book so we talk about a different Indian tribe every day too and I think that's something that's so cool because for them it's just tea time they're drinking tea and eating snacks you know but we're also learning and reading and so I think that's really fun is when you don't necessarily call things out you know like you said you're not saying okay everybody now we're gonna weigh the flower you know when you do that (laughs) it's like okay mom but you know if you just pull things out or if you just sit down and do things then everybody wants to join in and be included because it's just you know makes it fun you're about to hear a conversation about mother culture between Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer Naraki. Jennifer Naraki is a regular contributor to the Wild and Free Bundles and is a spunky, fun-loving mama of three boys. She has a heart for encouraging other homeschooling mamas and she has some insightful words to share with us today. Honestly, in my early years of parenting, I was in a culture that didn't necessarily encourage mother culture. So it's taken me some effort in a way to expand my musical horizons or even find out what are the great books to read because I got kind of stuck in like the classics only, so to speak. So tell me about how you're developing mother culture. I first learned about mother culture when I heard about Charlotte Mason, when I came to know about the Charlotte Mason philosophy of education. And I just fell in love with the term and the idea 
idea behind it to fill ourselves up that we may pour out to others. And I love that Charlotte Mason wrote, if mothers could learn to do for themselves what they do for their children, we would have happier households. She recommends that mothers go out to play, take a day or a half of a day out in the fields or with a favorite book or in a picture gallery. And so I think that there are definitely benefits to taking that time to fill ourselves up so that we can pour out to our families and to our neighbors and our friends. So yeah, with that in mind and with coming to know about living books through Charlotte Mason, I in turn developed this desire to start a book club. And that's just one way that we've developed mother culture within our homeschool group. And it's been really fun. How do you get away from your kids? Because for so many of us, we've got young kids and, you know, babysitting, finding a good babysitter can be an issue. So how do you strategize for even taking time from other culture? Yeah, well, when I first began the book club, my youngest was only one. And so he came along with me to our very first book club in a pack and play. And I nursed him when I needed to. And he just played in the pack and play alongside our book club. Greta, mom, pa modern. She also had her son. He's just a little bit younger than my my youngest. And he was in that pack and play as well. So we often have babes at our book clubs, um, nursing babes. And we have seen lots of babes in and out of there. And then as far as our oldest, yeah, sometimes we have to find babysitters. Other times grandparents help out. And oftentimes it's just the fathers who watch the children while us mamas gather together. And, and I love how you expressed it. You know, sometimes we think that taking time away from our kids is robbing them in a way. But when we're inspired and when we're excited about life, we really give a lot to them as well. So Karen Andriola, she wrote the book, A Charlotte Mason Companion. And she talks a little bit more about mother culture in her book. But one of the things that she says, and I love this quote, she says, if there is such a thing as the joy of childhood, there's also such a thing as the joy of motherhood. And mother culture admonishes a mother to recognize and live within such a blessing. How wonderful when she can say, my cup runneth over because it will run over into the family circle. Thus, the advantages of mother culture do not end with herself. It's not just about taking time for us. It's about filling ourselves up so that we can pour out. Because how can we pour out from an empty vessel? And we yeah. all know, as mamas, we get tired and we get weary and we need to recharge. And and so just taking bits of time. And it doesn't have to be a book club. I mean, we do other things within our group of friends. We do a monthly Charlotte Mason meeting where we gather every first Thursday of the month and we go over Charlotte Mason teaching principles and we discuss them. And so that's another way that we fill ourselves up and encourage wow. one another. I just got the Nature Journal book from Wild and Free. And I loved how in there, Kristen Rogers and then Jen Dees contributes to that too. Both of them put a lot of effort into developing their own gifts, but that development of their gifts has, like you said, spilled over into their family. I've learned so much from them about just being what you're enthusiastic about spills over to your children and they become enthusiastic about it too. And so it's not just a teaching of a lesson. Now sit down and it's time to do your Nature Journal, you know, just just filling them with these lessons, but experiencing the lessons yourself and you become excited about it. And then they in turn become excited about it too. It's just such a beautiful method of just teaching and experiencing life together. And it's not just through Nature Journal. I know my friend Jen Dees does it with music as well. And Retta lives that through exercise and she transfers that enthusiasm for exercise to her children. And so each of us just has a passion for certain things that spills over to our children. And so we can include them in that mother 
other culture sort of building ourselves up or encouraging ourselves, enjoying things that our children also can enjoy. It's interesting because you've put out a few main lesson plan ideas with rocks and things like that yeah. based on some of your experience with Waldorf education. And what I've heard about Waldorf education is similar where the mother or the teacher, whoever's leading the children, has to be really involved in learning about what they're studying. Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah, I love that idea behind the Waldorf teaching because they don't teach from textbooks. They teach as the teacher teaches through storytelling. In Charlotte Mesa, we talk about living books and that the author tells stories that they're passionate about. And it is the same with Waldorf. The teacher becomes passionate about lessons through storytelling. And so they immerse themselves in the stories beforehand. And then they tell a living story instead of reading it through a textbook. They kind of act it out. It's just a beautiful way of experiencing a lesson together. One of the things that is really special about you is you know a lot of song lyrics. Like you're inspired by (laughs) song lyrics and you know them. How do you make time for that even? Like I'm always trying to at least get my kids some classical music exposure. And then we listen to a lot of our faith-based music. I rely on my adult children to expose me to new music because I just don't make the time to explore it. How do you explore new music and then learn from the lyrics? Well, I think that that's part of my mother culture. I think experiencing mother culture is individual. And so, you know, something that my friend Greta does is not going to be the same as what I need to do for mother culture. We experience mother culture differently. And for me, music is my my encouragement, my release. Music is my soul. And so I think before I became a mom, I was so heavily influenced and encouraged through music that that's just always been a part of my life. You know, when I first had Littles, I kept that separate from them because my music wasn't really necessarily always appropriate for children. (laughs) But now that they've been growing a little bit older, I've been exposing them to various types of music and my children have become interested in playing instruments and singing as well. So that's been fun. But I just enjoy going to Target alone and listening to music or my dinnertime prep ritual is at four o'clock. The children know that that's my time. I go into the kitchen and I listen to my music and I prep dinner and I have basically like an hour of time that's just I'm cooking and I'm productive in the kitchen, but I'm listening to music and it's just such a time for me to recharge. So in a way, that's a daily mother culture session. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of the Parents Review, but it's a magazine that was sent to parents and teachers of Charlotte Mason schools in 1890 to 1920. And you can find that by going to the Ambleside online link online and then clicking on the link Parents Review. And there's so many inspiring and encouraging articles. And one of them is about mother culture, but there's another one that's called A Daily rest. And it talks about how important it is for mothers to have a time in the day that they can rest and refuel each day and how how that helps to clear our minds just for a short period of time so that we're able to serve our families better. Yes, I think having a daily chunk of time, it doesn't have to be a lot, but a daily chunk of time to feel encouraged and inspired and revived to go throughout the rest of the days is, is helpful. So do you have favorite like Spotify or Pandora stations? <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, I keep having a hard time with Spotify, but Pandora is usually my go-to. My kids are now on Pandora and they are making their own. It's so cute. They're like finding stations for themselves and they're becoming little Pandora kids and it's hilarious and they're dancing and singing and it's cracking me up. They're like recognizing songs that we hear at church and they're like, oh, we learned this at church. And it's just so, so fun to see so, them excited about music. <laughs> what are a few of your favorite Pandora stations? Oh my goodness. Your favorite G-rated. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this is going to sound so funny, but there's 
is a station called Yacht Rock. Yacht okay. Rock. And oh, it's like, wow. It's like 80s sailing kind of music. You can just picture being out on a sailboat in the 80s. Like Erasure <laughs> or something? It's so awesome. It's like Seals and Crofts. And I'm totally aging myself right now. I'm so oh, aging myself right now. But that's okay. yeah, I'm, it's really I mean, fun. I don't and think there's many Walden Free Mamas who are older than me. So age away, <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> um, I love 80s love songs. That's another Pandora station. Um, oh, how cute. 80s love songs. It's like my husband will sometimes we have an old Japanese sliding door that leads into the kitchen and I close that during my kitchen prep time but because it's a Japanese screen door it's like made out of paper and there's a part of it that's ripped and he'll take his phone and he'll pop it into that little hole and he'll record me when I'm cooking dinner because I'm just so free singing away at the top of my lungs to my favorite music just like not a care in the world nobody's with me I'm totally by myself singing this music prepping dinner and he'll come in and like video record me and then- I know he's he's really good at um <laughs> oh <my> you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But yes, I do love music and I like to use lyrics and stuff for life lessons. I think there's so many beautiful life lessons in song lyrics and you can transfer them to nature and you can transfer them even to the scriptures and there's just lyrics are poetry. They're another yes. form of poetry. So yes. I know it's funny how there's bits of culture depending on what our worldview is. There's some parts of culture that we kind of elevate and other parts that we despise to some degree, but there's a lot to be said in every form of art. And so speaking of poetry and just the art of writing and literature, getting back to the idea of our book club and the mother culture that provides for us. I've received messages asking about our book club and I've seen people making these book clubs of their own and it's so encouraging to see other people creating these book clubs and it's so fun knowing that this idea of gathering together with friends and going over poetry, you know, words of literature is so powerful and so moving and so filling. It and really that, is life-changing. So how did you guys start it? Because, you know, that's another thing. I think a lot of moms are so overwhelmed with just getting their babies fed and diapers changed and then homeschooling on top of that, that it seems out of the realm of possibility to, you know, have a monthly or bi-monthly dinner club with friends. Yeah. I had a friend who met monthly for a book club and she would talk to me about it and she would say, you know, we meet monthly, but we don't ever finish the book. And when we meet, we don't even talk about the book. And it's kind of like more of just a ladies night out than it is a book club. And that got me thinking, like, what could I do that could really be a gathering focused around books? I brainstormed for like a year and a half, I thought about how I wanted this book club to be, because I really had a heart for it. But I wasn't quite ready to go full speed ahead with it. I had been a part of a cooking club prior to this, and it was really fun. But what we did was we were a group of moms, and we read through Bon Appetit magazine, and we would pick a meal, and each of us would take turns. One of us would host, one of us would cook the main course, one of us would bring the drinks, and then one of us would bring the side dishes. And so it was kind of a collaborative effort. And that's kind of where I got some of the ideas for our book club. If you go on Instagram, you can check the hashtag assembly for is the name of our book club because we meet four times a year. And I think that was one of the ways we made it doable is that we don't meet monthly. I think that meeting monthly for me and for a lot of other mamas, it's just too much. 
choosing to meet each season made it a lot more doable for us. Yeah, that is really encouraging because a seasonal book club seems totally possible. Four times a year, it doesn't seem like much, but it really is. It's just the perfect amount to have a seasonal rhythm and we just love it. We made a cap that we have 12 in our book club. And so we take turns with a team of three people. So three people plan the book club each season. So at the beginning of the year, we sign up for which season we want. And there's three of us in each season. And then those three all work together to create the gathering. And so they choose the book, they invite people to read the book, and they make a date for a gathering. And then they plan the experience and the meal and the discussion. It's amazing. We are all so moved by the books that our conversations are just always incredible. And it's not just talking about the books, like we just talk about how those books relate to life and relate to our, you know, understanding of theology. And it's just so wide of a discussion. You can't but walk away being completely filled up. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful time. Well, I love it too that it's not like everybody has to plan it because I think that some people are more gifted than others at planning. And so it gets overwhelming when when you all get together and say, okay, let's all plan this. But when you can alternate who does it, then it's less of a chore. And then do all 12 people come every time? Typically we try to. I mean, there are times where, you know, there's a family vacation planned or, you know, unexpected something comes up. And so somebody has to not be there, but we try and definitely be there. So you were the visionary, like, I'm not trying to give you all the credit in case. Yeah. But, but you are the one who said, I sent out a very detailed email. And it was like, this is my vision. And there were rules. And it was very detailed. And a lot of people were like, this is too structured for me, and I'm not going to be a part of it. And then others were like, this sounds incredible. And I don't know what this is going to be like, but I want to give it a try. And so it was it was really fun. I like to be the leader of things. I don't know. (laughs) I can tend to be somebody who enjoys like planning things. And it's always awkward if you are that kind of a person to make sure you don't step like I'm also very sensitive to people's feelings. So then trying to plan something, but make sure you don't step on anyone's toes. Yes. So yeah, I love that you did it though, because look at how beautiful the book club has become. And I know that everybody contributes to that. But it's neat that you stepped out and were confident enough to invite people to do that with you. Yeah, it's been really neat. Each book club too, like one of the things that I said in my email was that the books, I wanted to like celebrate them extravagantly. And so that's another reason why we only meet four times a year is because when we do, we do things like really exciting. So we read a book called Rebecca that had a lot to do with like Mexican history. And so we had a huge fiesta, but it also had to do with like horses and stuff. And so we met at the horse stable and we went on a trail ride. Oh, how so fun much is fun. that? Oh my God. And then we read The Count of Monte Cristo and we rented a boat and we went out on the sea and, you know, experienced being out on a boat at sea and then came back to one of one of our homes and had oysters. And I mean, it's just a really, really neat time. We read a book called Keeper of the Bees and we had a full on honey tasting, like with charts and graphs and stuff. Like, did you even know there was a thing as a honey tasting? Like wine tasting. It's like honey yeah, tasting. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It was How so fun. much fun. We really do try and do something really special for each book. And that's another reason why we only meet four times a year. Well, I so appreciate 
appreciate all the tips and advice that you've given today, Jennifer, on getting a book club started and even on the importance of mother culture. Because I know that, you know, really there there does come a day when our kids start to leave. And for a lot of us, that seems like it's forever away, but it actually comes really fast, sadly. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, as you go along, develop some of your own interests and like you said, really inspire your kids because you have some interest is so important. So thanks for sharing all your ideas today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much, Jen. Friends, summertime is getting closer. If you're looking for something that will make unforgettable memories and bring your family closer than ever before, we're hosting a wild and free family camp at Trail West Lodge in Buena Vista, Colorado this August 25th through 27th. Come and stay in one of the beautiful lodge rooms overlooking the breathtaking Rocky Mountains. You'll enjoy family-style meals with other like-minded wild and free families. We'll test our limits on the ropes course, dance under the stars, and zip line through the Aspen Grove. But this weekend is about so much more than just adventure. It's about what matters most, spending quality time with your family, your children, and new friends. It's a weekend your family will never forget. Learn more and sign your family up at bewildandfree.org slash family camp. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week on the Wild and Free Podcast. Mm-hmm.